artificial intelligence has gone from science fiction to an almost everyday reality now, and it's changing our lives in really profound ways. We should be very careful about artificial intelligence. Um, if I were to guess at what our biggest existential threat is, it's probably that. The train doesn't stop at Humanville Station. It's likely rather to swoosh right by. We want to be able to do is develop systems that are open enough, transparent enough that human judgment, human imagination, creativity are still intruding, uh, are, are still active. Hello, welcome to the first Manchester Futurists podcast with me, Ahmed Razik, and Rosie Campbell. Over the next half an hour, you will hear Rosie and I just speak very generally around artificial intelligence. So I hope you enjoy it and let the artificial intelligence created jingle begin. AI feels like the next big paradigm shift for humanity and... I think that raises a lot of ethical, philosophical, practical questions and um, we will ignore them at our peril. So... Okay, what is, into your mind, the most potent ethical question? Uh, Because everyone always says ethical, philosophical... So, I mean, maybe this is an obvious answer, but to me the biggest ethical question will be what constitutes consciousness and at what point does a computer become human if it can uh, if it's intelligent whether it's artificially intelligent or however you want to call it synthetic intelligence uh whatever at what point does that uh stop being just a machine doing its job Mm -hmm. and become something that we want to treat with agency and with respect and with human rights and any of the other things that we attribute Do to. Do you see a future where we'll, we'll treat a machine uh, with the kind of appropriate human ro- machine rights? I mean, I, I kind of feel like that's inevitable, really. Um, I, I just... I mean, it comes down to a fundamental question about what makes humans human, but really, if it can feel pain, if it can feel emotion, if it can understand, uh, you know if it interacts with humans and understands them on an equal level, then as we start to create more and more intelligent machines, yeah. uh, if we can create a machine that's more intelligent than ourselves, mm-hmm. then by almost definition, it should have the capability to create a machine that's more intelligent than itself, yep. given that we managed to create it and it's intelligent. Yes, that, that. So that's going to keep happening you know, faster and faster. Yeah. Uh, as soon as we make something, it can make something else, which can make something else, and blah, blah, blah. So that will go on almost exponentially, or, yeah, probably exponentially. So we're going to get to a point very fast where mm. um, we have intelligence that is um, far greater than our own. Mm-hmm. And so us sitting around asking the question, oh, at what point do we decide that the machines are equal to us is sort of ridiculous, yes. given that they're going to outstrip us very, very fast. Yeah. You know, basically, they're going to be <laughs> the ones deciding this at some point, probably. Yeah. But aside from that, um, yeah. when I, I went to a conference a couple of years ago, and there was a simulation of a 
uh, a baby mm. and it was called Baby X and basically it was a very very photorealistic uh, representation of a child yeah and it also had uh, kind of machine learning um, sort of uh, aspects to it in that you could teach it to do certain things and you could if you were nice to it it would smile if you were mean to it it would cry that kind of thing yeah. and they did a demo of it and at one point in the demo it was a live demo so you could see it reacting in real time uh-huh. and at one point the um, the person doing the demo sort of hid away from this child and the child got really confused and it started looking around and it started to cry and it <laughs> and it's the first time I've ever really felt like oh my god this poor little child even though obviously I knew it wasn't real and it was yeah. artificial and all that but I genuinely had like a a kind of human response to like oh is this this doesn't feel right mm. and um you know obviously just having an emotional response to something like that isn't in no way an indication of uh how you should treat it or how we should view it but I do think that it's it's an example of how in the not too near, f- near future, there will be very compelling examples mm. that uh, the vast population will be quite um, sort of receptive to in a... And, like, we'll be treating things as anthropomorphic, even though uh, logically we might know that they're not real humans or whatever, but we will be behaving as if they are. And, I, yeah, I don't see that as a far stretch. My Personally, I think that there's no reason why AI couldn't do everything that a human could yes. at some point. Yes. Not right now, obviously, but, you know, given time. But, um, you know, there are arguments that this is exactly the sort of thing that people said during the Industrial Revolution. There were times that have gone in the past where people thought that machines would take over and they didn't. So yeah. there's a, a, you know, a perfectly reasonable um, argument that we think that AI is going to take over and make us all redundant, but actually, you know, that's happened before and it didn't work out like that. We just found other things to be good at. I would argue... Do you believe that? Well, I would argue that the actual nature of AI is quite different to the Industrial Revolution in that the Industrial Revolution was about building machines to do a very specific purpose that was very kind of um, mechanical rote sort of... um, behavior mm. uh which is one thing's one thing that obviously humans can do but humans are capable of a lot more than that and we built a machine to replicate one aspect of human behavior and that got automated and then humans found other aspects of things to do that they were good at mm. but ai by definition is almost trying to replicate all aspects of human capability so um it might happen in stages it might be kind of this thing gets taken over by machines and then the next thing and then the next thing. But ultimately, why shouldn't a machine be able to do everything that a human does? In which case, um, you know, possibly we, uh, most of our jobs become obsolete and, mm. and we can automate most of our jobs away using machines. But yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean humans will be um, at a loss of what to do. You know, we all have things that we enjoy doing. We all, I'm sure, have hobbies that we could be doing outside of work. Surely we enjoy them because they are... A small part of a, you know, I, I, I play tennis. I don't play every day. Every, well, I wish I could actually. <laughs> so you think that if you didn't have your day job, then yes, those special those moments, that as... special two hours in the evening where I'm yeah. poorly hitting the backhand, would not, you know, feel would not special. be as special yeah. as. Surely, anything with abund any anything with abundance is not good. Yeah, I think I think certainly, especially 
in our current society we tend to equate work with value and with morality and you're contributing your bit to society and that's a good thing to do and we mm. all want to feel like we're uh, contributing to the place we live and um, this kind of thing yeah um, I think that is going to take a big shift I think that uh, if we believe um, that robots or machines are quite likely to take over mm. even you know twenty percent of the jobs that we do. That's mass unemployment, and there are going to be people who need to really rethink their relationship with um, work in the traditional sense. So we need to start valuing. We need to stop equating being a kind of whole human with having a job. And actually start to think about the other things that we can do. I mean, there's so many people out there who have to work to earn a living to survive, but would mm. much rather use their talents for something else, whether that's being a musician or an artist or a philosopher or anything else that we don't really have the financial compensation to let people do as a full-time job, or as many people who would like yeah. to do that as a full-time yeah. job as they could. So um, maybe it mean, maybe it's actually an opportunity, which would mean that people who um, don't want to spend their time doing a job that can be automated by machines but can actually now spend that time doing uh something else that um they can they you know they wouldn't get the financial compensation that they need at the moment there is no other system that we've designed that is an alternative to capitalism really is yeah. there anything of remote success barring capitalism well um you know, there have been trials around the world for basic income sort of policies, which is the idea that uh, everybody in a country or the world or whatever society you're looking at mm. uh, would get a basic amount of um, financial compensation that would allow them to live a basic sort of survival life, minimum acceptable life, I guess. And um, So money still exists. So, so this in this yeah in the basic income system, money yes. still exists. We all get a certain amount that would enable us to live. Yeah. And then those who want to and are able to can also top that up by getting a job if they are able to do so. Something that hasn't been already taken by machines. Yeah. Um, and if not, they can uh, devote their time to their other pursuits, and yeah. that's fine. Um, some people, I think, regard that as a kind of stopgap to an ultimate society where actually. If we live in a world where we've solved climate change and we've actually got uh, unlimited manufacturing ability through 3D printers or whatever mm, else technology mm. that we invent, then we have this kind of abundant world where nothing is scarce and we can all have as much as we want anytime. Um, and that's kind of an alternative to capitalism because we, we, you know, we have enough and we don't need to have the capitalist system don't that we have. Humans. Have you seen There Will Be Blood, Daniel Day-Lewis? No, I don't think I have. Well... Should I watch it? You should. Okay. There is a line... I can't, I'm not going to say it for a I can't remember. It's an excellent movie. But the thing... He in essence revels in the fact of other people's despair. I have a competition in me. I want no one else to succeed. You describe such a utopian world yes. of loveliness. Yeah. There, there's another um, relatively famous uh, quote, can't remember from someone, um, uh, an angel comes up to a person and says, um, I will give you whatever you want, but I'm going to give your neighbour double. <laughs> so the guy says, wow. take one of my eyes. <gasps> so 
the neighbour ends up right, oh, as wow. opposed to demanding yep. anything. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard that before, but wow. Well, it's, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you're describing a world that has order. Yes. Yeah, so, I, I mean, this is one of the issues I have with that theory is it kind of assumes that everybody can get to a point where they have enough and that's enough mm. and they're not greedy anymore because they have yeah. all they want. Yeah. And that, and I think, you know, current the current world shows us that that's not true. There are plenty of people who do have enough, um, yet we still crave more and more and more. Yeah. And we use up more resources and we, you know, there are people suffering all around the world, yet we just want more and more and more and, and mm. we don't care. And so, uh, yeah, what is to say that if we had this world where everything was abundant, would that be enough or would still people want to exploit other people for their own personal gain and mm. I yeah I'm not uh, I feel like I want to believe that people it would be fine and that we would all be okay with yeah. what we had but yeah. I think evidence current evidence suggests that that's not the case so yeah I'm a bit uh, skeptical of that but you know people can like uh, societies can change a lot and maybe as we um adjust to a new future where our robot overlords tell us how much we can have or you know something in between maybe we maybe we change our view on do you know that's something that I feel like we lose the audience as soon as we talk about robot overlords (laughs) should we like yeah you're probably right I mean I kind of joke about them because uh, to me that's such a uh, like a non-starter like yes. that's not what yes. it's not I don't it know keeps, it keeps cropping it keeps, up yeah um, yeah no I don't mean personally I'm of the opinion I don't know if this is uh, alright to say in public but if we can invent machines that are more ethical than us more intelligent than us uh, better at making logical decisions don't base so many things on unconscious bias and flawed uh, mechanisms don't we have to get our own ethics right in order to well, I don't, yeah. ethics. The world is a very unethical place. Yeah, but if we can make a machine that's more intelligent than us, then can we not also make a machine that's more ethical than us? But surely, we'll therefore, we could therefore make a machine that's more brutal than us. Oh yeah, we could. We definitely could. But that, it's our job to not do that. <laughs> if that's what we value in society, or you know, don't value. But we haven't really done a good job in creating an ethical society. I don't know. I think I have think, we? Well, sitting um, in our lovely middle class bubbles. Yeah, in, in, in our middle class bubble. Yeah. Yes. I mean, there's plenty of terrible things going on in the world. But I think in general, that we have to cure the terrible things before we can even endeavour to. No, because all we need to do is make the machines. And who the and hell like, decides who's ethical or not? What's well, ethical? Yeah, that's a whole separate thing. But yeah. we need, we need, all we need to do is make uh, machines that emulate the best of humanity and not the worst, right? So we have exa- we have shining examples of what generally most people agree to be excellent yeah. behaviour, yeah. and that's the kind of thing that we need to be trying to replicate in the machines, and. Yeah, who decides what's this ethical? All descend into philosophy, ultimately. Yeah, ultimately. The whole world does, isn't it? Yeah, which is why I wish I was a philosopher. You are a philosopher. Is there a kind of clear distinction about that is an artificially intelligent thing? Or... Oh, God, no. I mean, it's kind of like the Turing test, right? The, the, mm. the Turing test... Uh, 
hopefully a lot of people no one knows let's let's assume ignorance of our um, 189 (laughs) members of manchester futures yes um so i'm gonna get this totally worded wrongly but the idea behind the turing test is that uh, if a machine can convince a human that it is also a human Mm. it's passed the turing test yes but that's not a hard and fast definition right are are in the past people would have (laughs) Um, potentially been quite easily fooled by that mm-hmm. um, and and we given our nature and our we we want to believe things and so it would have been quite easy to believe that something was human even though it clearly was a machine and that's only that's like the bar is moving the goalposts are moving so we have higher and higher expectations about what is human and what is a machine and almost even the opposite so i know a lot of people automatically when they use things like siri or like any voice recognition Mm. they'll 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 use language that they know that the machine will understand on purpose that they wouldn't use to another human yes so they'll say something in a certain way Mm -hmm. subconscious without realizing that they're doing it and the machine will reply in a helpful way and they'll think it's great it's just like a human yes not having kind of consciously realized that they've actually modulated their own behavior so the Turing test is not a hard and fast test it's it's changing all the time so how you define ai in in that sense it's it's kind of a moving goalpost and i know there's some people who prefer the term synthetic intelligence or even i think there's another one that i can't remember right now because i've had too much wine so you haven't had too much wine you are perfectly cogent and coherent uh so some other kind of intelligence that's basically you know why are we defining it as artificial it's not artificial it's still intelligence we're just we're kind of making human t- human intelligence sound like Yes. The default or the natural or whatever, and yeah, okay, in a way it is, but doesn't make any other intelligence less intelligent. <laughs> so, yeah. I think you've said the word intelligent six Quite times. Quite a lot. In, 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 yeah. into, all right, we'll, 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 so forget definitions. So, yeah, yeah let, no, I mean, lots of people have different definitions. Okay. I think uh, there's there's obviously the, def- the difference between machine learning and artificial intelligence and so what is the difference well and then you might while, while you're on it yeah we well, whack in deep learning there as well just so to, okay so uh, so machine learning as i understand it and obviously many clever yes, people than me check have wikipedia very to verify ideas, this yeah. comment but machine learning i understand as yeah um sort of teaching a machine to uh recognize patterns and essentially learn from data and imp- hopefully improve itself from data. Learn from data. Yeah, I mean, you're saying that like that's a definitive definition, yes. but it's not. That's just my kind of... When I talk about machine learning, I'm talking about giving a machine a certain data set and asking it to yes. pr- make a model that can then predict based I, on data. I would emphasise that because yeah. we're going to move on to deep learning. Okay. Which well, that's still based on data. It is. Okay. Okay. But, okay. Sorry. Finish okay, up so, on that. So yeah, machine learning mm. is teaching a model, asking a computer to learn a model mm. based on a data set so that it can make future predictions. Yes. Okay. Um, artificial intelligence mm. is actually the kind of aim to emulate, synthesize, replicate whatever word you want to use uh, to to do that to human intelligence. So you're mm-hmm. trying to get a machine that can think like a human. Yes. And in some cases, that will obviously involve a lot of machine learning, because mm-hmm. um, a lot of human intelligence is based on learning from real-world data and experiences. But it, you know, it encompasses other things that are 
less easily defined. Yeah. Okay, so then you asked about deep learning. The trifecta. So, I mean, that's a weird one because I wouldn't have put those three as three sort of separate pillars. Well, go on. I, I, was I careless? Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe Could've you been. have a different understanding to me. But to, yeah. to me, deep learning is, well, um, having uh, recently read a lot about neural networks, um, it's quite... Deep learning is quite a... Uh, I feel like it's a bit of a cheeky buzzword because all it actually means, as I understand it, is yeah. you have a neural network uh, which has more than one hidden layer. Yes. Which is, you know, fairly standard, really, yeah. these days in, in neural networks. So, yeah, deep learning is a bit of a buzzword, but it's actually just a neural network which has more than one hidden layer, which is not very uncommon. So and you've thrown, you, you've carelessly thrown in the term neural network. Yeah. You know, what the hell is that? An artificial neural network is a biologically inspired mechanism or system that tries to emulate the uh, way that our brains work. And it does that by um, making... Oh. You gave a great example before, didn't you? I think Did about I? house prices... Uh, that would be a neural network. What was it? I can talk about house prices, so... You love house prices. Do you? <laughs> You're always on about them. I thought last time I talked to you about the festival example. The festival, sorry. Yes, yeah. yes. So... Not house prices. Why would I say Well, that's that? a common one that gets used in these examples. So really? maybe that's okay. why you yes, know it. Yeah. Um, so if you... So normally, a computer works algorithmically in that it follows a set of instructions. Yes. So, for example, if I wanted to recognise a cat, I might programme a computer to say, does it have two ears? Is it fluffy? Does it have a tail? Mm. Or whatever things that I associate with a cat. Yes. But obviously, um, hopefully it won't be too... Didn't I do some decision tree homework when I was year five? You may well have done. I never did decision maths, sadly, even though I really wanted to. I wasn't allowed. I'm sad about that. So, yeah, so I would ask a... I would program this algorithm. I'd ask it a series of questions, and step by step it would go through and assess whether the thing I had given it uh, obeyed the rules of being a cat. But obviously, with the examples I gave there about having two ears, fluffy tail, it could be a dog. It could be a fox. And also, if I said, like, oh, it has to have four legs, then what about a three-legged cat? It's not very flexible. It's very rigid. Mm. Um, and actually, what we do with a neural network is rather than explicitly telling it all of these features that we associate with being a cat or not being a cat, mm. we give it lots of examples of cats mm-hmm. and lots of examples of not cats. And then we let the machine work out what are the things that make a cat a cat and make it not a cat <laughs> and it builds up this very complex multi-dimensional model mm. which is what's going on in our minds all the time but obviously mm. we're not doing this consciously mm. and so that makes it robust to fluctuations in terms of you know a cat that's missing a leg or missing an ear or happens to be hairless or any of those things mm-hmm. uh, or you know it can tell the difference between a cat and a dog and anything else that also has those characteristics so using a neural network by letting the machine work out what's important to essential catism uh it it can kind of come up with this much more robust and much more Mm. human-like approach to recognizing that sort of thing so what was the festival thing so the festival thing this is this is kind of i stole this from i think it's deeplearning.net so if you're interested in learning more then no you see yours nope i've stolen it no stolen it outright no you haven't (laughs) okay 
Hi, this is Rosie. Just to let you know, that was complete nonsense. I looked it up afterwards and it was actually neuralnetworksanddeeplearning.com. And now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. So uh, the example they gave was, um, if this is to kind of illustrate the very, very basic, basic way uh, a neural network works. If I want to go to a festival Mm -hmm. uh, and I need to decide yes or no, am Mm -hmm. I going to this festival, binary outcome, um, then I might consider things like... Um, is the weather going to be nice? Do I have anyone to go with? Uh, what's the food going to be like? Mm-hmm. Is the music stuff that I like? These might be all the sorts of things that I'm considering. Yeah. But it might be much more important to me whether the weather's going to be nice than whether the food is going to be nice. So I might actually give a much stronger weight to the weather forecast than I would the menu on the website, for example. So if it's, if it's going to be raining, maybe I definitely don't want to go. Whereas if it's going to be sunny, I definitely do. So I'll give that a really strong weighting. Yes. So what one element, one um, neuron of a neural network would do would think about the different weights associated with inputs. So my inputs would be all these factors about whether the weather's going to be nice, whether the food's going to be nice, whether the music's good, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it would assign it, each of those a weight. Then it would multiply the value of the input, which in this case is probably binary. So zero if the weather's bad, one if the weather's good, zero if the food's bad, one if the food's good, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Each of those, it would multiply it by the weight I'd given it. So you'd have, with the weather, you'd have a zero or one multiplied by, I don't know, maybe one, because I'm going to give it maximum weighting. And then maybe the food, maybe I'm not so bothered, so maybe... It's a zero or one multiplied multiplied by 0.25. Yeah. It's a quarter. I don't really mind too much. Then you add up all the um, results of those multiplications. And if it's above a certain threshold, you're going to say, yes, I'm going to go to the festival. And if it's below a certain threshold, no, I'm not going to go to that festival. So that's obviously a really trivial example. And it's just one example of a neuron. Mm. But the idea is that you could have many, 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 many inputs, mm-hmm. not just weather and food and music, but like tons and tons of inputs, more than we could ever even conceptualise consciously. Mm-hmm. And you could have multiple layers. So it's not just one layer, input it, multiply it up, add it, does it pass or fail? That's it. No, mm-hmm. it would go through more and more layers of this. And eventually this is how you build up the really complex multidimensional model, which is able to then classify pictures or give you answers to predictions or whatever whatever other questions you want to do based on the input data that you've given it. So does everything need input data? Because I remember the one I the example I love I seem to constantly refer back in my own head is the Atari example with Google DeepMind. Do you know of it? Mm, tell me about it. So they defined the success factor, which was get points. Okay. And essentially, uh, after about half an hour, it kept losing the game, so the ball kept going past the whatever the slidey thing at the bottom, and it oh, okay. kept losing. Yeah. But then it started to realise that wait, if I bounce the ball back. Oh, this is breakout, is it? Is the, it breakout? Yeah. Yeah, where you're yeah. trying to hit the blocks. Yes, yep, exactly. Yep, so it. after a half an hour, it got it was it started it was it was okay. I see. Rudimentary, yeah, yeah, yeah. But only the only thing they that was told was the success is most points and then after an hour it got to human level of anticipation and where it should go and after then they let it go I don't know what exact timings were but then they let it go over they just let it it kept running and it played 
better than any human ever could play wow. by attacking the sides. Only defining the, the, the only the only the defining factor was the success. Yeah. Okay. So does it all so need data to um, to learn? To, yeah, to learn, so or you just tell it that's your outcome. Well, in that case, yes, I would learn. I would argue that it's it's generating its own data because what it's done is it tries something yeah. and if it fails then that then the input was whatever move it did and the outcome was the failure and then it tries something else and then it is yes. a success or a failure so over time it's generating its own this input equals that output this input equals that output over and over and over and over yes. again yes. success to fail or oh, no sorry move equals success move this way equals failure move yes. this way equals success over and over again so yeah. it's building up its own training data mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so Ultimately, yeah. Am I going? Do I go? Go. Okay, hi everyone. I hope you enjoyed that as much as we did chatting about it. There'll be more podcasts coming up about different futurist topics. And if you're based in Manchester in the UK, please come along to our meetup, Manchester Futurists. Uh, Until next time. (laughs) <laughs> I forgot to think of a gut phrase. Maybe we'll I have to do it again. Out. That's it. <laughs> We're going to keep it. Stop it now. <laughs>